Hello and welcome to Look It, an audio trip down memory lane. The toys, the trends, the turntables, and the television shows from days of then. Tonight I have a special guest with me, Mr. Mark Jacob Little III. Hello. How are you? How are you, Mr. Zerby? I am honored to have you with me. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. It's going to be fun. Thank you for asking me. I know it's going to be fun. Definitely. Good. And we're going to speak about the amazing television career of one Mr. Norman Lear. Tonight's episode is titled, Duh. <laughs> Norman Lear. <laughs> oh, you're just going to leave it there. Okay. Yeah. Theme song. <laughs> Welcome to the Lucky Podcast, where all your dreams come this is the show that takes you back, shows you around, and reminds you of the good old days. Now here's your host, Zerbinigger. So how have you been? The last time you and I recorded together was 80 to 89, right? It's been a while, yes. I uh, believe that was... Ooh, has it been a year yet? I think, Probably it, has I think been. so. Yeah, and that was fun too. Definitely. I enjoyed that. I'm not yeah. also counting the extraordinaries. I, I, no, we've done two, three, four episodes. I don't remember how many. I think we have three. three and three. Um, you're up. Yes, I'm up on the next one. And I'm thinking, uh, well, we're shooting for the end of April or May. True. And we we were shooting for March. So. That's true. And, uh, and my 80 to 89 was supposed to be in March again, and I haven't. It's okay. Life gets in the way. Time, it's same fun. as it ever was. It just keeps on... Mm-hmm. Time in this. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's a burn situation. I'm doing fine. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm doing fine as well. Um, I finally got over whatever got me sick, which is uh, the good old flu season is is uh, behind us. And I had a nice, fun time with that. And then... You uh, both did, yeah. right? You you got us sick as well? Did you have the no, flu? No, you both. You both. Uh, oh, you and Shelly. Shelly and I definitely. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. You don't get sick down there. Uh, yeah, a lot of people do. Lizzie does. All my workmates have allergies. Uh, the pollen's really bad in Atlanta, and it doesn't bother me because I was born here, I guess. Uh, do you do you eat the honey? Do I eat the honey? Yeah, they always say if you eat the honey from your area, you'll never get sick. Oh, really? I've yeah. never heard that. I thought that was a euphemism for something. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, Speaking no. of the family. <laughs> but I don't think. Uh, no, I don't think I eat the local honey that I know of. I don't really eat a lot of honey. It's not a condiment that is conducive to being on things that I eat a lot of, you know, like fried foods and, you know, <laughs> sandwiches. You know, honey, you know, no, I don't think so. You say it, but you just don't eat it. Yeah, exactly. I, I need to start because that'll help with allergies, apparently. If you eat a bunch of honey from your local area, it should drown out all the, the ales. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, I've just sure never not. thought of it. Yeah, Thanks me, for that. I just came up with it. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> uh, when we started, before we started the show, our cats met. They spoke to each mm-hmm. other for a little while. Right. Winston, uh, my cat, met your cat, Jerry. Yep. And they talked a little while. Yeah. And that was nice. Yes. I don't I hope they got more as much out of it as we did. I think they did. <laughs> Good. 
All right, well, let's kick it off. We're going to be talking about Norman Lear tonight, and what better way but to talk about our experiences growing up with watching these shows. What was, what was it like having Norman Lear in your life? Well, uh, by the time his first show came on the air, All in the Family in 1971, I was 12. Hmm. Which, so I was a bit older than you. Uh, as a matter of fact, I still am. And, <laughs> and um, I was probably not allowed, I don't really remember, but I was probably not allowed to watch that show at the very beginning because of all the hubbub about it. Absolutely. It, uh, kind of created some waves. Uh, it was very different than anything that had come on before and dealt with adult situations and there was profanity in it and, uh, you know, stereotypes and stuff. So my parents probably didn't have me watching it very often. If I remember correctly, it was on Sunday nights to begin with. Right. And we were at church on Sunday nights anyway, so it didn't matter. Uh, I probably started watching it by its second or third season. I was already a teenager by then, and I did enjoy it. Even though a lot of the humor might have gone over my head uh, as a 13 or 14-year-old, uh, I did enjoy it. I thought it was very funny, and I loved Archie Bunker. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say that really that show in Sanford and Son is the one I watched more often, which came on in 72. And I enjoyed Sanford and Son, still do. I love that show. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't know how politically correct it is. Well, heck, All in the Family is probably not politically correct None anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you could not get away with that nowadays. But uh, Sanford and Son, it just was a funny show. Red Fox is very gifted. Uh, Demond Wilson too. Uh, I just enjoyed that show, and it was on Friday night, so I could watch it. Yeah, you know, and it was more innocuous. It was not. Uh, it was. It didn't deal with the heavy issues that all in the family dealt with. Did your parents so, give you any crap about watching that versus watching All in the Family? No, no, I don't think so. It was on at eight o'clock on a Friday night, and you know, if it's on at eight o'clock, it's probably okay. Right. You know, so I was okay with it, and my parents seemed to be okay with it. Mm. You know, I grew up with uh, big time against all in the family to the point that I believed it was evil. Oh, uh, yeah, I could. I my my parents were strict Catholic. Well, Dad was a secret Lutheran turned Catholic, and against oh. against his wishes, and um, and tried his best at Catholicism, but and he loved all in the family. You know, but he never told me. But I knew it much later. He didn't tell me at the time that I was being uh, thrown out of the room when the show would come on and the TV had to be off. And because the TV being off punished Norman Lear for having that show on the air. Yeah. Wow, yeah. they wouldn't even move to another channel or no. something. They would turn it off. Turned it off. Went upstairs and then watched Mash in their room. And <laughs> that's that's what that was. But yeah, they were so against it. The same thing with Sanford and Son. I did not grow up disliking it. I started growing up disliking my parents because Sanford and Son was awesome. And I did sneak in to watch some of that because uh, we had two TVs in the house by that time. We had um, a TV in the bedroom, our bedroom, black and white, nice little tiny, oh. tiny, tiny Magnavox. And, uh, oh. and I would watch that. Now, mind you, I'm watching reruns much, much later. Um, oh, okay. I'm watching this around uh, 79, 80, and uh, thinking, you know, wow, they're, they're even at that age, I, I'm still thinking, wow, they're really 
talking about stuff they probably shouldn't. This is why my mom doesn't want me to watch this. Mm. You know, it's still not mm-hmm. watching All in the Family yet. Um, that did not come until much later. Probably in my late 20s, um, I started watching All in the Family and just like fell in love with the way that Archie was. He was awesome. And then growing a huge growing respect for Carol Connor because uh, later on, I think it was late 90s, is when he was doing the uh, police show. What was it where he was a sergeant? Uh, in the Heat of the Night. In the Heat of the Night. And, and right. I couldn't believe how Archie Bunker was this guy. Yeah. And in the Heat of the Night had this guy. And I was like, wow. You know, I was... Yeah, he, he was an amazing actor. And uh, uh, I believe he won the uh, Emmy at least once or twice. Uh, for playing Archie Bunker. And, of course, he played it uh, for nine years on All in the Family and then another four years on Archie Bunker's Place, which was the replacement show for All in the Family. So he did it for 13 years, 13 seasons, and, uh, uh, you know, he deserved all the accolades he got. He definitely earned the Emmys Mm -hmm. all that time. Um, Yeah. And and never knowing um, that, you know, they would stay, this would ever come back on the air and I would see it again. That yeah. was something else too. I never never thought about reruns or something. It was just like you figured it was that that period of TV was just going to die out and disappear. So I never really cared for it, you know, or I never really uh, got into it, even though I respected it. Um, and I figured it's just going to disappear. And now it's one of the hottest shows still on TV. It's easy yeah. to find on Hulu. It's easy to find on Crackle. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. amazing how easy it is to stream these shows now. And, and you would think a show that's that topical at the time would not age well, but it has because it's really dealing with issues that are universal and timeless. And so what he says and what Mike Stivick says in the show and everything they, they stand for is still valid today. So Absolutely. And it's so, yeah. and it's so cool to see them actually push the boundaries of uh, stereotypes and slurs, and uh-huh. uh, and racial jokes that uh, there's. T- I I myself am. Uh, I don't call myself a racist, but I play one on TV, <laughs> and um, it's. Uh, I get to a point where I'm like, I better not touch that. If I'm recording with Ferg on Please Stand By, I'll push a boundary sometimes just to get his reaction. And uh, But then you watch something like All in the Family or something on Sanford and Son or even on Maud. And, Maud. and they, press, they, they press that button that makes you go, oh. <laughs> and I can't imagine, especially in our family, which was you know staunch Catholic growing up, Mm-hmm. that lasting five seconds. And then again, my mom, the older she got, we would watch South Park together. Oh, wow. And that was fine. <laughs> yeah. You know, in and her, that certainly pushed some boundaries, big too. Big boundaries. And, that, and, later, and later in life, you know. And then the older she got, we talk about it now on the phone. She's in her um, mid-70s. And we talk mm-hmm. about, I, I told her I'm doing a show on Norman Lee. And she oh, he was so important. I was like, Mom, wow. you used to trash the crap out of me for trying to watch it. <laughs> and she goes, well, yeah, that was then. We didn't do stuff like that. But nowadays, he's a savior for television. I'm like, yes, yeah. I guess so. Can now you, you imagine look- what, what television would be like if he hadn't come along? If it, oh, What man. it would be like today or even in the 80s or 90s? It's just amazing how in one fell swoop, he pushed the envelope so far and that – 
there was no way you could get the toothpaste back and into the tooth. No, after. exactly. Uh, Very well said. Uh, really, and even at the time, I remember thinking, even as a you know a mid teenager, fifteen or so, uh, watching the show when it came on Saturday nights. It moved to Saturday nights for its second or third season, and then uh, with the big CBS lineup, and then thinking to myself, watching it at the time, how. Uh, important it was at the time i kept thinking this is amazing television and even my parents started watching it and my father is a presbyterian minister oh and so but you know i guess we had i looking back now i think it must be more of a liberal uh family than you would think for a for a preacher to be and uh, have to be and uh so but they would you know eventually they got turned around to watching the show and uh, they never liked Maud, and I really didn't either, but uh, certainly all in the family, one day at a time, and the later shows, uh, they actually enjoyed watching, and sometimes we'd sit and watch it together. So, And I remember thinking at the time, wow, this is a show that's that's very out there and very liberal in its bend, and mom and dad are watching it with me, and I'm 15 years old, I can't believe it. You know, I they're letting you watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and they're letting me watching it, watch it, and they're enjoying it too. So, That's so it's awesome. just, yeah, it is awesome. I guess I I was lucky in that respect because, uh, which probably is one reason why I I was pretty into television. I I mean I still am, of course, but yeah. maybe not quite as much as I was back then. And uh, that may have been part of it is that I was allowed to watch certainly sh- uh, some of the shows that were pushing the boundaries at that time, and a lot of kids my age might not have been. You know, especially growing up in the South like I did. Do you do you think that, um, well, of course, watching TV with your family is probably one of the reasons that you take the, the word television and make it part of your family because that's what made the togetherness mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. not wholly, is that a word? You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah. Not in, in a whole, but just the fact that, uh, I want to get away from the word whole. I don't know why I'm using the word whole. <laughs> not in... Uh, in a, Use uh, it, man. It's okay. Yeah, it, it, but uh, it partially, it it brought everybody together in the house, which is pretty awesome. We didn't mm-hmm. have that. I would lay on my mom's butt, and this is going to sound weird, but she always sat on the couch uh, on her side and had her feet up, you know, her uh-huh. knees her knees up almost to her chest, and that's how she was comfortable with her cup of coffee, instant yeah. Folgers. Excuse me, one <laughs> second. The best part of waking up, right? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, watching reruns, and uh, she was, and and then I, as a kid, would lay down on her bottom, and and watch. But I'd have a pillow there, and I'd be twiddling away because we all know I have an issue, and mm-hmm. uh, twiddling the pillow. And that was together time. But what it was is we would watch Good Times, or we were watching Jeffersons. Those were the two shows yeah. that we would watch together, and it was okay. Or What's Happening? That was another one, one of my mm-hmm. favorites. Uh, uh, Henry Mancini. Gosh, that's an awesome song, isn't it? It is, yeah. I anyway. need to get that up there. Uh, Maybe I'll do a turbo, turbo tune for you. I would love on that, that. On that show. Yeah, I would I'll be do that. honored. And that was yeah. a great Don Rickles episode. Yeah, I love Don Rickles. And uh, oh, when he passed, you, you know, uh, I just had to do something. And I'd been toying the idea of uh, doing a turbo tune where I would just do one theme and talk about it and talk about the show. And it'd be a short cool episode. Idea. Yeah, that's Thank a good you. way to kill some time like on a Thursday night or something when you're not doing nothing. You know? Yeah, 
Yeah. But anyway, get back to your well, family. So uh, I'm, watching I'm laying on my mom's butt hoping she doesn't fart. <laughs> and watching TV. But no, that was our together time. And the thing that would happen is the the sad thing for me is, uh, which is why I have a hard time watching MASH, believe it or not. It's not because of the, the military aspect of it or um, because it gets really serious and scary for yeah. me when I was a kid. Um, watching people come in that really needed surgery, and then they were joking through it. I couldn't quite mesh that at that age in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But whenever the theme would start, then mom would perk up, well, time for bed. And I, I was like, I don't want to go to bed. And the theme always related to, and I don't know if you've ever done this, but have you ever said it to your parents when they said it's time for bed during TV? <laughs> you would say, it always worked for me. Wait, they're going to say something at the commercial. They, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They still got to say something. It's not over yet. You know, you have to wait for the credits. And yeah. uh, it always worked. Okay, after they say something, you got to go to bed. <laughs> um, that and yes. chips. Chips would come on late at night around uh, 9 o'clock or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that theme, too, I'd have to go to bed. But aside from that repressed memory. That, is it repressed? It's not repressed. I can hear uh, you're telling me, so <laughs> it's not repressed anymore. That's great. Compressed, That's great. I should have said. Oh, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's great because uh, we grew up in the 70s uh, and 80s mm-hmm. when there was a lot of good television on, I think. I think the best. Uh, the best television the best. was on. Yeah, and now obviously my parents would disagree and say that the 50s and the 60s might be better, but they enjoyed shows in the 70s and well, the I'm, 80s. I'm not going to shut them up because they're probably right just for the... F- the only thing I didn't like about the 50s and 60s television is the fact that it was all cardboard cut out to be the same. But, it was, yes. But it was a beautiful piece of cardboard, and I <laughs> wish it lasted longer because it was actually yeah. a wonderful... Like like Leave it to Beaver, Andy Griffith... Um, Patty Duke. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. I had such mm-hmm. a crush on Patty Duke and her sister. <laughs> they looked alike, didn't they? They oh, walk alike and talk alike. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. What a my crazy aunt, pair, actually, huh? <laughs> my aunt my aunt actually looks like her, or looks like her at the time. And I really used to think that Patty Duke was my aunt. Wow. But Yeah, but she doesn't anymore, of course. But, Darn, uh, there goes my next question. Yeah. So, oh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> She's well into her 70s now. But anyway. And, uh, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, not, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, but anyway, it, it, yeah, the 50s and 60s had, it was very different. You only had basically the three channels. Yeah. So uh, everything had to uh, appeal to the lowest common denominator, if I can put it that way. It's It sounds right. bad. Basically, you had to try and get as many people as you could watch. Or to get to watch your show, and so they didn't want to push the boundaries very much, you True. know. I think uh, the only shows I can think of that maybe did that, and they did it surreptitiously, would be The Twilight Zone. Pushed a lot of positive, uh, you know, social issues disguised as sci-fi stories or something right. like that. Or uh, and really, The Untouchables is another one that comes to mind that really pushed the violent uh, boundaries back in 1959 when it started but for the most part everything was gilligan's island or lady yeah. bunch or stuff like that it was mindless didn't you know didn't require a lot of thought to sit down and watch it uh i remember i want to say it's probably been 20 or 30 years i remember reading something that said can you believe that mash 
premiered a mere six years after the end of McHale's Navy. And you look at those two shows and see how different they are. Yeah. And, you know, McHale's Navy, just a silly mitcom, military comedy. Right. And MASH started out that way a little bit for its first season, but it really got very much into the uh, serious adult issues. And you you think there's only six years between those two shows. And that really kind of, honed it in for me and it said wow it made me think that's amazing that that happened and mash probably would not have gone on the air without norman lear yeah that's a good point even though he didn't have anything to do with the show all in the family kind of paved the way at that point for socially important series sitcoms they said they set the groundbreaking rules they did. Did you know which i did not until i saw it on netflix that norman lear wrote with the comedy hour for dean martin and jerry lewis i saw that yes in fact jerry lewis stole him from um ford what was the name of the show the ford uh star review he was a writer with uh ed simmons i think Uh ed simmons was his partner at the time and they were writing for the ford star review and um i'm actually reading a book now it's an old one that i've had it's called archie and edith mike and gloria and they talk a lot about Norman Lear in here, and one of the things is he had this bit that he wanted to get with Danny Thomas, who was really big oh, at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Is in Andy the early Griffith. 50s. He's the one who started Andy Griffith, right? <clears throat> That's correct, yeah. yes. So, back in the early 50s, uh, Norman Lear called up Danny Thomas and pretended to be a New York Times writer who was just calling back to uh, get the phone number for Danny Thomas because he had done an interview with him and had forgotten a few questions and he wanted to ask him and his publicist gave Norman Lear the phone number. So so Norman Lear calls Danny Thomas up and he says, Hey, uh, and he kind of fesses up about the reason he was calling. He, he, he really wasn't a New York times writer. He had some funny bits that he wanted Danny Thomas to hear. And Danny Thomas said, uh, well, how long is it? And Norman Lear said, well, how long do you want it to be? And he said, uh, about seven minutes. And Norman Lear says, yeah, that's exactly how long it is. <laughs> and, he says, and he says, can I call you back in a couple of hours? Uh, cause I've got an appointment and I'll call you back and give you the bit. Well, the reason he just said that is because he didn't really have the bits. He was going to write gonna it, write it out. Yeah. He and Ed were going to write it. So <laughs> they both wrote out something, presented it to Danny Thomas. He loved it. And they started working for Danny Thomas. Wow. And then they also worked. And that's when Jerry Lewis saw the bit and said, hey, uh, I got to get these guys on the show. So Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin, who were the hottest things going on at that time on Colgate Comedy Hour, stole him, stole him and Ed Simmons away. And uh, they wrote for for Jerry's Jerry Lewis. Isn't that Um, amazing? They wrote for your cat. Oh, man. That's what my cat's named after, Jerry Lewis. Jerry Milo yeah. Lewis, as a matter of fact. Oh. Um, yeah, Milo was his real name before we put the Jerry Lewis on it. But it's so amazing that my whole time I'm thinking, what an amazing writer Jerry Lewis is to write all that stuff out and all the credit that he took for the work that Norman Lear probably did. Right, right. And I, right. I wonder if he talks to him now because Jerry's still alive in 90. Yeah, he's 90 now, is that right? He's 90-something, uh, right? 91, actually, I think. Yeah, and, and Norman uh, Lear will be 95 in July. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, and he's still working. And he's still working, and he is much better off than Jerry, because Jerry will sit in a chair and just go, You know! 
I. <laughs> that's perfect. That's all he does. Yeah. But that's all right. He's Jerry Lewis. He can do that. He can do that's that. That's okay. You know. He but did he does a lot have more, some health issues. And yeah, and he did a lot more pratfalls than Norman Lear did. But Probably, yes, yes. But he did get so, smacked around by Jerry Lewis when he was working <laughs> with him, that's for sure. That's probably true, yes. Well, since we're so, hitting the history, I'm going to go ahead and read a little history of Norman Lear. I, this is a small paragraph that I stole from Wikipedia. Um, here we go. Oh, go for it. Norman Lear is the producer of, among others, the TV shows All in the Family, which we spoke about, Good Times, The Jeffersons, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, for those who like to be redundant, and the film, this is Spinal Tap, I can't believe that he worked on that film as well, uh, Stand and the films, this is Spinal Tap, Stand By Me, The Princess Bride, amongst others. He also founded the Liberal Advocates. I knew that was going to be fun. He also I know. <laughs> he also founded the little the little house on the prairie. <laughs> I think you're mixing him up here a little bit, there, Kevin. He also founded the liberal liberal <laughs> ad. I can't believe it. It's hard to say. Organization. Liberal. He also founded the organization People for the American Way. His memoir, Even This I Get to Experience, was published in October, and now he has an incredible show called The The Other Version of Me, Norman Mm -hmm. Lear, on Netflix. The reason he called it The Other Version of Me, would you like to? No, you go right ahead. Um, is because he grew up in, I think it was the Bronx, parts of Bronx, parts of Brooklyn. Uh-huh. And um, he grew up looking at the black neighborhoods. And he, he was not one at all to be racist against other colors, other cultures, or anything like that. He always saw them as another version of himself, which is why he wanted to do a black TV show. Uh, uh, what was the name of it? Good Times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he wanted to do a black TV show called Good Times and make it the first all-black television show sitcom. And he sure as heck did. There was a lot yeah. of fighting and arguing, though, when it was first presented to the actors because they were like, I wouldn't say this that way and this that way. And he listened and worked with them, got it straightened out after mm-hmm. a lot, uh, quite, a, quite a fusses. Uh, Florence, boy, she's a damn pain in the butt. Marla Gibbs. Yeah. Is yeah. that Marla Gibbs yeah. or is that uh, Florida Evans? No, Florida uh, is a character. Evans is. No, Florida Evans is. Uh, Esther Roll played Florida Evans Esther on Good Times. Is who I'm thinking of. Esther Roll, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, she was strong minded. She's yeah. very strong minded. But a very gifted actress. Incredible. And she, yeah. she, she was in the, in the special I was watching was complaining that she doesn't understand why there's so much attention around J.J. and how come yeah. that is what America chose as the, the king of uh, comedy for, for that show. He, she wanted them to be a little more sophisticated than that. Can you blame her? No, I think she's wrong. Because J.J. was awesome. J.J. is, <laughs> JJ is awesome. But do you think J.J. really represents... Uh, uh, black people at that time of that age? Probably you know. not. I think he influenced black people of that age yeah. to, to be yeah. that, you know, dynamite and all that, you know. That, he probably hurt more than, you know, hindered more than helped, but uh, mm-hmm. still was a great character and he did yeah. it so well. 
was. He was a yeah. great comedian too in his time. He passed away too as well, didn't he? Or Has he? I didn't. I don't know. Let me hey, check you, real he, quick. As far as I know, I think he passed away from diabetes. I think he had the sugars, David. <laughs> he had the what? I think he had the sugars. I say. Uh, let's see. He's still alive, isn't he? Yeah, he uh, he'll be seventy in June, I think. That's right. So yeah, so okay. It's funny how I just pulled that off the top of my head. Very good. Well, <laughs> it could be an outtake. We'll never know. It could be. Yeah. <laughs> so on the backstory of Norman Lear, I know that he was born in your neck of the woods in New Haven, Connecticut. Oh, beautiful. He was, okay. he was born there. Then he moved to Boston, and then he moved to New York, the Bronx, like you said. So, uh, and that's probably where he you know, developed a lot of his his personality and the way he thinks of people as other versions of himself, which is is a great way to go through life. Definitely. I think. <laughs> you know, Definitely. You 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 avoid a lot of conflict and problems if you think like that. So mm-hmm. anyway, uh we've talked a little bit about uh his early career when he was working for uh the Ford Star Review and Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin Colgate Comedy Hour. He uh, he and his partner Ed Simmons at the time spent two years on the Martha Ray show. I don't know if you remember Martha Ray. I actually never have seen the Martha Ray show. She, she was known as the Big Mouth because she had a big mouth, and she was a very loud and brash comedian. And a lot of people my age might really more remember her for the uh, the dent. The, she did commercials for uh, oh. denture uh, denture cream. And so she would come on and she'd say, "Yeah, she'd say, hi, I'm Martha Ray. I'm comedian and denture wearer, you know, and she would talk about denture cream. So she was, uh, and you might also remember her from Macmillan and Wife. She played, uh, how did she, who did she play on that show? The wife of Macmillan, I bet. No, that was, (laughs) that was Susan St. James. She played Rock Hudson's mother. Oh. Show. And which kind of fit in a kind of a kooky way she was about four foot tall and rock hudson six foot tall so oh that's cute anyway they worked for the martha ray show and then uh in 1958 mr lear uh teamed up with director bud yorkin who you might recognize from the closing credits of all in the family and all of the shows that they did together they formed tandem productions which you also see on the closing credits yes uh, together, they produced several feature films with Mr. Lear taking on the roles as executive producer, writer, and director. And in 1967, he was nominated for an Academy Award for his script for the movie uh, Divorce American Style. I don't think I've ever seen that. I don't think I've ever seen it either. I have seen one movie that he and Bud Yorkin did, actually a couple of them, Start the Revolution Without Me with Gene Wilder and, uh, what's his name, Donald Sutherland. Okay. That's a funny movie. I haven't Dep- seen that. I've got uh, the only old movie that I have in my quo at the moment is Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes, Smarter Brother? Yes. Yeah. That one. That's with Gene Wilder, right? Yes. Did Norman Lear do that one? I don't think so. Uh, oh, okay. I don't think I've, he did. I think that's actually a... Uh, I'm starting to wonder if that's actually a Mel Brooks John. I don't He might have produced it. He didn't direct it, I know, but he might have yeah. produced it. Yeah. Anyway... The one movie I do remember, besides Start the Revolution Without Me, that Norman Lear and Bud Yorkin did was Cold Turkey, which is a hilarious movie about a town trying to 
go cold turkey on quitting smoking all at once. I think I might have seen either part of that or or most of that because I kind of remember the craziness, like a mad, 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 mad world. It is. It is kind of cool situation. Uh, Dick Van Dyke was in that one. So in 1970, CBS signed with Tandem Productions to produce All in the Family, which first aired January 12th, 1971, ran for nine seasons. Right. Uh, One thing that uh, this doesn't mention is that it was actually pitched to ABC first. Oh, wow. And ABC turned it down because they thought it was just too out there. Dumbasses. So CBS bought it, but only after. As a mid-season replacement, which back then, mid-season replacements did nothing. You know, if you had a mid-season replacement that got renewed the following fall, you were doing really well. <laughs> Nowadays, it's just filler. Fairly, it's finally com- it's fairly common for a mid-season. I mean, The Simpsons was a mid-season replacement. Wow. And now you the 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 boundaries between the seasons are have grown so vague anyway. Uh, but in any case. They said, CBS said, yeah, we'll buy the show. We're going to stick it on Sunday night. Uh, I think it was at 930. It replaced either the governor and JJ or to roam with love. One of those two. I forget which one it replaced. And uh, they thought people would just forget about it. And that's not what happened. It it actually picked up a lot of uh, word of mouth. Wow. And that's that's started it off. And then it was the number one show that year. Even though it didn't start till January. so That's pretty cool, though. I like the way they worked out for yeah. him. So after All in the Family, of course, he did. Uh, he had a huge, long list of TV sh- TV hits after that. I'm just going to name a few. Please. Maud, of which course. was a spinoff of All in the Family. Sanford and Son, which we already mentioned. Yeah. Good Times, which we all already mentioned, which was a spinoff of Maud. The Jeffersons, which was a spinoff of All in the Family. Mm-hmm. One Day at a Time. Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Uh... From Mary Hartman, there was Fernwood Tonight, which later became America Tonight with Martin Mull and Fred Willard. Very Fred funny Willard show. I never missed that one. Great, great act in that. Fred Willard. Yes, that, he was. that was my introduction to Fred Willard, and I've been in love ever since. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I've loved it. He's done now he's doing the new one day at a time that's on Netflix. Yeah. He's executive producer on that. So uh what other shows has he done? Gee whiz. Well, you uh, got the Baxters in nineteen seventy nine. Yeah, up to 79 at least. And he basically walked away about 1980. That's what kind of got me when I was watching the documentary and reading the backstory that I had forgotten about at the time. His last, it looks like 1984, Heart Sounds, um, was created. The TV movie? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, TV series, why it was ER, um, which Mm -hmm. was Tat, Tatum, what is TAT? Uh, T-A-T, TAT Communications, T-A-T Communications, which was bought by Embassy Communications and was sold in 1985. Okay, so, so basically his last real TV series that he created from scratch would have to be A.K.A. Poplar. Probably, 1984. yeah. 1984. Yeah, can you believe that? And then 33 years later, now he's shown up again in our consciousness he should never have left of course but yeah uh, he really kind of left television at that point um his business career continued with tat until 85 uh but in 1980 he formed as you mentioned the people for the american way which is a non-profit organization designed to speak out for bill of rights guarantees and to monitor violations of constitutional freedoms i'm just a bill yep (laughs) 
<laughs> I love that commercial you do. That's a great commercial. I, I get it on my podcast every month, I think. Thank you. I, I... After this message, we'll be right back. I'm just a show. Yes, I'm only a show. And I got as far as urban land. Well, now I'm stuck in a quo. And I sit here and wait. While a few other shows discuss and debate whether they should let me be a podcast. I hope and pray that they know, but today I am still just a show. Listen to all those podcasters arguing. Is all that debate about you? Yeah, I'm one of the lucky ones. Most shows never get this far. I hope they decide a podcast and me favorably. Otherwise, I might be deleted. Deleted? Yeah, deleted file. Oh, it looks like I'm going to be played. Now I go to the listeners' headphones, and they listen to me. If they listen to you, what happens? Then I go to iTunes, and the whole thing starts all over again. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Remember, you can find all of Zerbinator Land shows right there at zerbinator.wordpress.com. Stop by there for all your podcasting needs. I'm just a show. Yes, I'm only a show. And if you find me, I'm at Zerbinator Land. Well, I am off on the web where I sit in my bed. And I wait to be heard just like every other nerd. And if they like me, then I'll know. Oh, boy, I hope and I pray that they will listen to me today. And now, back to look at uh, and in addition, in addition to the people for the American Way, Mr. Lear also founded other nonprofit organizations, including uh, Business Enterprise Trust, which spotlights exemplary social innovations in American business, the Norman Lear Center at USC. Um, he did the Environmental Media Association with his wife and two other people. And he's been really active in doing all that kind of activist type stuff. Since he left television in the mid '80s, and uh, he's never really slowed down. I True. mean, sure, television took a lot out of him. I'm sure. I mean, ch- kind of juggling six or seven shows at the same time back in the late '70s, and then walking away and saying, "You know, I need some time with my family." I guess his wife had died by that point. Yeah. At that point, and then um, he just needed some time to kind of think about what his legacy was going to be, and I. As big as the legacy as his television is, I think the uh, the activist type things, uh, which tie into his television, are probably going to be a bigger legacy for him. True, in my opinion, you know. True, so. because yeah, because he did quite a bit for a lot of different things. But it seems like in the in the nineties, he also spent uh, some time in the movies as well. Up at well, right. Stand by Me in '86, and then Princess Bride in '87. So it's like he he did continue working through there, but it wasn't as as uh, hard, you know. I guess he, right years are catching up, and you're right. The death of his wife, I'm sure. I didn't know he was working on fried green tomatoes. <laughs> I know, isn't that amazing? Fried green tomatoes. It's amazing. I I had no idea uh-huh. that he did that, and um, and scared stiff in 1953. I just found out. It is. It's a Martin Lewis movie. Uh, it's probably, let's see, fleeing a murder charge, a singer and a busboy wind up on a spooky Caribbean island inherited by an heiress. So it's sort of a haunted house type movie, I guess. What would your favorite, what do you think your favorite 
Norman Lear series would be that he either created or wrote or developed or whatever? I would have to definitely pick All in the Family. Mm. Um, I'm stupid thinking that he was also part of my favorite shows like Three's Company and that and that late 70s, early 80s television series thing. I always thought that he was a part of Three's Company and all right. of the spinoffs from that show. I always thought he was part of that. And I wish he was because the Ropers and all of that. Yeah. I love that so yeah. much. And it seems so Norman Lear-esque. But it didn't. It didn't hit as hard as as no, you know the other no. topics, and the, it made you feel so good to talk about those topics because everybody's thinking about you know anything that was in uh, All in the Family is something that you would talk about behind closed doors. You'd never really brought it out into the light, and this brought it right. all out into the light. And mm-hmm. to this day, nothing ever will beat the kiss of Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, and yes. Archie Bunker. <laughs> Nothing on yes. the planet will ever beat that kiss because that was the most amazing show I think I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. That's a great episode. That's, that is my favorite. I think that was early on too, like second or third season, maybe second season. Yeah. And uh, I remember one thing that Archie was sitting down talking to Sammy Davis Jr. in the show, and he was saying something like, um, uh, you know, I think I I am glad you know something like Archie would say he said I'm I'm glad you're here I'd like to shake your hand and I hope you don't think I'm a bigot yeah. and Sammy, Sammy Davis Jr. said something and I'm paraphrasing here uh, well you know a bigot is somebody who thinks he's better than everybody else and I can tell you you're not better than anybody yeah. yes that's <laughs> and right and he, he says slowing down <laughs> uh, Archie said can I shake your hand on that so it was really great. <laughs> He did a great job right, that, on it. That is a wonderful episode. What about mm-hmm. you? What would be mm-hmm. your favorite uh, Norman Lear? It's tough. I know. That is tough. Um, you know, I watched all of them except for Maud. I never really got into Maud, and, which is a shame because, you know, Adrian Barbeau. But um, <laughs> I, knew, I knew that would happen if I said that. <laughs> uh, I think if. I'd still have to pick Sanford and Son because that's the one I started with more than All in the Family. Yeah. And it's a little easier to take, especially nowadays. I still love All in the Family. Don't get me wrong. Right, right. And I still turn on Crackle and watch a few episodes of All in the Family, whichever ones they have on, and still laugh. And But Sanford and Son is, you know, it's kind of like my go-to on Crackle or anything else. It's just, it's there, it's, it's... It's simpler, of course. Of course. But, you know, and every now and then it would address the the underlying issues that might, you know, race or poverty or things like that. But, you know, I still just thought it was absolutely hilarious. Oh, Every definitely. character uh, on the show, but especially Red Fox, he made the show. I really always did. wanted so, to grow up and become Grady. I've always wanted to do that, and I think, ah, I think I've done Grady. a good job of it. Hey, Fred, how you doing? <laughs> what are you doing over there, Fred? <laughs> Great googly moogly. <laughs> oh, yeah, I loved Whitman Mayo. You he was great. Uh, I loved uh, uh, the movie Harlem Nights. Uh, right I have f- not seen that in oh, so many years. I, so I need nice. to see that. I need to definitely see that. Uh, and then, of course, when Red Fox was doing his bit with LaWanda Page as Aunt Esther. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, when they, those two got together, he even brought her over to his, 
his uh, variety show after Sanford and Son was over. He got had his own variety show, yeah, which was called. That's um, beautiful. What was it called? This. The Red Fox Hour, I think, or the Red Fox Show, or something. But he brought her over, and they would do the same kind of shtick where uh, they would, you know, she would you say, "You heathen," <laughs> and he say, "You did nothing but a big cold of blooded dummy." <laughs> So, anyway, I just I look I just at you and show. I just say, "Oh Lord, I, Lord, I go." And I love when she would go into the to the prayer thing. <laughs> oh yes, yes. <laughs> she's it's, great. It's it can be offensive, I guess. And if I was black, I don't know if I would be offended mm-hmm. offended by that. I might be. I might not be. I don't know. No, because you uh, know the thing is, is that it's nothing new. It's not like they're poking fun at. These are people that. Um, we all know we've all had people like that in our lives. Yes. And, yes. and there was nothing wrong with those people. You didn't look down on them. You didn't think them less than you. It, no, just like no. he says, it's another version of me. And there's a part of Esther in you, you know, like, yes. you know, and there's a part of Red Fox's Sanford and everybody too. You, oh yeah. You know, Skin Flint, mm-hmm. uh, having a hard time finding his glasses. I do that every day, you yeah. know, so and everything know worrying you... you to the part of having a heart attack, I do that on a constant <laughs> basis. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's the big one. <laughs> oh, jeez. But yeah, oh, it's, just, it's just brilliant, 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 brilliant. It's just not another mm-hmm. word. Man, mm-hmm. I think it's... Definitely. We're hitting the 50-minute mark. Uh, yes, I'm here. I mean, uh, we're hitting the 50-minute mark. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I know. I'm here. <laughs> Mark, thank you so much for doing this with me. Thank you. I enjoyed every minute of it. I, I can't tell you how much I enjoy listening to your tube tunes. Your tube thank tunes you. is an educational experience, much like watching Netflix with Norman Lear on it. And, <laughs> yes. And I do appreciate it very much because you, you inform and, and teach, and then we get to enjoy the song that you're talking about. But we also learn the history of the show as well. And... uh you can find that at tubetunes.net. That's right. Thank you very much, sir. And thank you so much for inviting me. I enjoyed sure. it. And uh, like I say on all my shows, join us next time when Mark says, I almost said fur. <laughs> Stop bending the shafts. You're bending the shafts. <laughs> That's good. You don't know what that is, do you? <laughs> I think that has to do with, uh, I'm going to say all in the family. No, no. David Letterman. David Letterman said he was playing golf with Slappy White. I don't know if you remember Slappy White. was an old black comedian Yeah. back in the olden days, back in the 60s. And David Letterman was playing golf with him, and he was putting <laughs> his golf clubs putting Slappy White's golf clubs into the back of his trunk, and he was pushing the trunk down, and Slappy White kept saying, Stop bending the shafts! You're bending the shafts! <laughs> I don't know why that stuck in my head, but it did. That's a good thing it's, to end with. Yeah, stop bending the shafts! <laughs> Join us next time when we talk about the days of then. Boy, the way Glenn Miller played Songs that made the hit parade Guys like us, we had it made Girls were the days. And you knew where you were then. Girls were girls and men were men. Mr. We could use a man like Raymond Hoover again. Didn't need no welfare states. Everybody pulled.
old LaSalle ran great. Those were the days. All of Zerbinator's music and podcasts are under the Creative Commons license, which allows retelling and rebroadcasting as long as the author is notified and credited. For more great escape pods, please visit www.zerbinator.wordpress.com. If you would like to contact Zerbinatorland, you can send an email to instrumentally at gmail.com or give us a call at 571-408-ZERB or 9372. Excuse me. Damn. You'll edit that out, right? Oh, of course I will, but I've been holding on to that puppy for a while. (laughs) Jeez, I'm glad to get that out. That felt good. Well, welcome back to the living. Mm, Thank you. Mm Mm-hmm.